Pray with me the words of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You guys can be uh, seated. Jesus continues in Matthew 6. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. For those who don't know me, my name is Brian. I'm a bondservant of Jesus. I am husband to Jody and father to the Teuton tribe. Today we're going to be in the toolkit again uh, in forgiveness. The text we're journeying through is Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. And this is also a prayer Sunday, so it's really exciting. We get to have a couple of people come up here and, and, and just be able to pray and share over the body. Since our theme is forgiveness today, we need to define what forgiveness means. When I say the word forgiveness, I'm actually meaning seven different attributes. This definition was given by the, the, the Puritan writer Thomas Watson. So biblical forgiveness is, number one, and they'll be on the screen too, and if you're taking notes, this is a great time for notes too. Number one, resisting revenge. Romans 12, 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Number two, what bib biblical forgiveness is. Don't seek to do the mischief. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 says, See that no one repays another evil with evil. Number three, wish them well. Luke 6.28, bless those that curse you. Number four, grieve at their calamities. Proverbs 4, or 24.17, do not let your enemies fall. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Number five, pray for them. Matthew 5, 44, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Number six, and we did have a slide, I don't know, we may be having slide problems right now, but number six, seek reconciliation with them. Romans 12, 18, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Number seven, be always willing to come to their relief. Exodus 23, 4. If you meet your enemy's ox or donkey wandering away, 
you shall surely return it to him. This is what biblical forgiveness is. So while we're soaking in God's word today, we need to be asking the Lord to help us answer the following question. Am I living as one who has been forgiven? What I'd like you to do right now is I want you to think back over your whole life with me. Was there ever a time in your life that you can remember that something happened that it was hard or almost impossible to forgive? I want you to take that thought captive because we're going to be using that thought today, that scenario, that person, and we're going to put Scripture around it and the love of Jesus and the light of Jesus on it. It's important how, we, how to properly handle those scenarios and the hearts of all the people involved, including our own. The Word of God is our source, and that's where we always find our answers. So in John 7, 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. We're going to be in Ephesians 4, so if you have Bibles, this is a good time to turn to Ephesians 4. It's going to kind of be our, our springboard. We're going to be all over the Scripture, but Ephesians 4 is where we're going to be camping. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and I'm sure somebody would love to put one in your hands. So I see one that needs a Bible. Um, while we're turning to Ephesians, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory on Ephesians. Now, we have to go back to Acts 19 to actually get the backstory. In Acts 19, Paul shows up in Ephesus. Ephesus is this huge city that worships most of the Greek and Roman gods. The first place Paul goes is he goes to the synagogue. That's, that's his M.O. He goes to the synagogue. He teaches the Jews in the synagogue for about three months until they can't stand it anymore. They don't want to hear him. If the Jews won't listen, he goes to the Gentiles. Paul goes to the Gentiles, and he teaches them for two years in Ephesus. To the point, God's word says that everyone in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek, through Paul's teaching in Ephesus. It was crazy good in Ephesus, okay? Think miracles are, are happening like crazy. People are bringing handkerchiefs and uh, aprons, touching Paul with those things, returning to to sick people and people with evil spirits, touching them with something that touched Paul, and the spirits flow, they, the, the evil spirits flee, the sicknesses disappear. God's word is prevailing. It, it's to the point that there's all these people that practice witchcraft in Ephesus, and once they hear the word of Jesus and they believe, they get all their, their witchcraft stuff together, they pile it in a big pile, 50,000 pieces of silver worth. Okay, think enormous pile. Think ceiling. Okay, and then they burn it in front of everybody. Open testimony. The city takes notice. What is going on? It's going to affect our livelihood. The silversmiths get angry, and they actually, they almost start a riot against the way Eventually, Paul leaves the city to continue his missionary journey. So that's the backdrop. So now we fast forward years later. Paul's imprisoned by the Romans, and he, he loves the people of Ephesus, so he writes this letter to the Ephesians. 
In, the Ephes- in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, Paul ex- he explores the story of the gospel and how history came to its climax in Jesus Christ and in this multi-ethnic community of his followers. In Ephesians 4 through 6, Paul explains how the gospel story should affect every part of our life story, personally, in our neighborhoods and in our families. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, it's really all about our identity. Where do we get our identity? Who do we find our identity in? Our first point today is who we were. We're going to begin looking at Ephesians 4, 17 through 21. This is where Paul's going to tell us who we were. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Paul sums up verses 17 through 21 in Romans 8, 6 through 8. The mind governed by flesh is death. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's follow the two angels into Sodom in Genesis 19 to see what a mind governed by flesh is, what it, what it looks like, what it feels like. Okay, remember the story with me. We have Sodom and Gomorrah. Their sin is so grave and so great It is stinking before the Almighty God. He's got to do something about it. He tells his buddy Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. I'm going to burn it to the ground. And Abraham is like, whoa, Lord, please, can you at least rescue my buddy, my my nephew Lot? He lives there. I know, I'm sorry. So God says, okay. He sends two angels into Sodom to get Lot. They go in the city gate. Lot sees him. He's excited. Hey, come stay at my house. No, no, no. We're going to stay in the city square tonight. Lot knows something that these angels supposedly don't know. You can't stay there. You have to come in my house. You'll be safe with me. So in Genesis 19, 4 through 11, we read, But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, little kids, all the people to the last man. That means that the, the son-in-laws of Lot are in this crowd, surrounding the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Meaning they wickedly wanted to violate these men. Lot went out to the men at the entrance and shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters whom have known, not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you please. 
Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back! And they said, This fellow came to sojourn with us, and now he becomes the judge? Now we will deal worse with you than with them. And they pressed hard against the man, Lot, and drew near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot in the house with them and shut the door. And they struck them with blindness. The men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so they wore themselves out groping for the door. Even in their blindness, these men were still on their quest to work wickedness. The people of Sodom were alienated from God because they did not really understand who God was and who God created them to be. The people's hearts were darkened. Romans 1.21 tells us, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their hearts were darkened. The people of Sodom did not know what they were doing. Jesus says, in seeing, they do not see. Okay, let's, let's go back. Remembering that person that wronged you, have you ever considered they didn't know what they were doing? While on the cross, speaking of those that were crucifying him, crucifying him Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. If the person wronged you had a mind governed by flesh, their heart would be darkened. They would not have the ability to see. As it says in Matthew 13, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. Their ears with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. God gives us all an opportunity to turn from our sin and be healed. The people of Sodom would not repent of their wickedness. Because their darkened hearts, the Lord rained fire down on them. Only the Lord knows the heart and can judge rightly. Psalm 39, 1. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Paul reminds us who we, who we were. And now, as children of the Most High God, in Romans 12, Paul gives us our marching orders. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we, we now are going to be blessed with a brother of mine that this is just really fun for me. So, good morning.
Do I have to use this? Can you hear me without it? Lines of sin, remember. Um, thanks, Brian, for uh, letting me be part of this. I tried to prepare some stuff. Oh, I, I tried to prepare some stuff to read, and, and I thought, well, the most I could probably do is read a couple of verses um, just to prove that I can read and write, right? Um, something Brian said just before I came up was the heaping the hot coals on, your, uh, on the heads of your enemies or whatever. Nathan and I talked about this Saturday, or maybe two, I think it was Tuesday, um, and I found out that that's not really what it sounds like, is it? It's, it's pretty easy to be, um, somebody's done something wrong to you and, and you forgive them. Yeah, that's pretty easy. But then the heaping the hot coals part, I kind of like that. And then I thought, hmm, maybe that's not quite what it means. And it's not. Terry and I have experienced that with people that, uh, you know, have done something. We thought, oh, let's be really nice to them and heap the hot coals on their head. And that'll teach them. Well, um, so after reading through all this stuff and preparing for this, um, I found two verses that I liked the most that actually stuck out to me. Um, and they're Matthew um, 6, 14 through 15. And so I'll read that one first. Can you guys hear me okay? All right. Uh, for if you, forgive, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That one kind of... That one hit me kind of hard. Um, I'm really quick to forgive somebody. Um, I've never been somebody to, to carry a grudge. Um, but I thank God for that because I'm pretty sure that's really easy to do. Um, when you don't forgive somebody, how in the world would you ever be forgiven? And so what I also assumed is that salvation is nothing but forgiveness. And so that's what this whole message that Brian's teaching today is about, is forgiveness. Um, the second one I found was uh, Samuel 3, um, verse 12. This is, the, this is the one that meant the most to me. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That pretty much says everything to me. To me, that's what it was all about. Um, I, I probably read um, no less than 100 different verses uh, when Brian asked me to do this. And, of course, I said no immediately. He goes, will you uh, talk? And I said no. So I left the back of the room, and by the time I got set down over here, God had already grabbed a hold of me and said, oh, yeah, you think no's the answer? So uh, right after the service, I went over to Brian and said, hey, uh, I, guess, uh, I guess no's not the answer. Um, so it was pretty easy to make, that, to make that choice. God has a way of grabbing a hold of you and taking it either to the woodshed or, or lining you out at least a little bit, and uh, it appears that I needed that. So... Um, what I'm going to do is pray real quick, a real, a real fast prayer, and, and let Brian get back up here. Um, so if you'll pray with me, I'd, I'd like that. Uh, Father, we come to you in prayer that today's message will hit home for um, all of us. Um, today's, today's message is about forgiveness. Um, oh, man. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. Help us, Father. Um, to be forgivers uh, of and to others in our lives uh, as we ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
That was perfect. Thank you, Logan. Mm. We were reminded who we were. Now let's remember what God has done. Before Christ, we were no better than the people of Sodom. Our minds were governed by flesh, but God. 1 John 2.2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus sacrificed. He paid the price. He was the one on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's all about Christ and his gift to us. When we hear the good news, repent, and accept Christ's forgiveness of our sins, we become something new. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we f- confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just a little, all unrighteousness. We are completely new creations. Let's join Paul again as he challenges us to take, on the, take off the old humanity like a set of clothes and put on the new humanity which is, in which the image of God is being restored. So in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Once we belong to Christ, the fun begins. We now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, giving us the ability to see more clearly. We're not fully restored yet. We are still a work full of grace in progress. What you believe affects everything you see. Let me repeat that. What you believe affects everything you see. Believing is seeing. The Ephesian church belonged to Christ, but they still needed Paul's help to remind them what God had done to allow them to see more clearly. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. When you can see the forgiveness of Jesus as given through the blood on his cross, you can live in who you truly are, and you are forgiven. Let's remember that person that wronged you again, or that scenario. This time, let's think of that person as a Christ follower. They have Christ living on the inside of them. They should be held to a higher standard, right? Someone with Christ inside of them can do no wrong, correct? Like the Ephesians, they may not yet see themselves for who God made them to be. They are weak, still a work in progress. And seeing dimly, they continue to fail 
as God works all things together for good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his good purpose. You may say that I don't know your scenario and all the horrific details that make forgiveness impossible. You are correct. I will never know all the details and heart-wrenching, the heart-wrenching scenarios. Forgiveness does not mean that you're expected to feel good about what happened. Anger against sin and its horrible consequences is fitting up to a point. In Ephesians 4.26, it says, Be angry and sin not, meaning bridle your anger and do not be wicked by putting into execution what you have wickedly conceived in your anger. Forgiveness is also not the absence of serious consequences to sin. With a forgiving heart, you can still help someone be put in jail. We have plenty of police officers in our body that would love to come alongside anyone that has a scenario like that to help them in that way. God says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that also will he reap. Psalm 99, 8. O Lord God, you have answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Our duty is to follow our captain. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Remember, only God knows the heart. He's the only one that can see with perfect clarity and know how to judge rightly. In Colossians 3, Paul again gives us our marching orders. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, with kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So we have another beautiful moment where someone gets to uh, come up here and pray for us. I'm Anita, and I'm a child of God. And just like he just said, Jesus is my captain. My flesh is no longer my captain. And he's asked me that I would pray over us. Singing this morning and seeing the sun shining up there and thinking about how we, Jesus, is in unapproachable light and we're members of that body I don't understand 
It truly is a mystery. And I don't even feel worthy to be up here. And so I feel like I need to be on my knees. So forgive me. This is my husband, Tom. I'm his wife. And the Lord wants me to read this. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a delusion, a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that it may be condemned, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Father, I pray that we will believe what we just heard, what Brian just spoke, your word. I pray that your word would sear our hearts sever our consciences. Lord, let your word come. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. I pray that you would let your word divide soul and spirit. Tendons and marrow. Our thoughts. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to walk in the Spirit. us, Lord. Help us put off our old selves. Help us look at the cross and see your mercy. Help us understand what you've done for us. We are no longer captive. We're free. Lord, help us. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would send your Holy Spirit to empower us to free the rest of the captives. Come quickly, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my brother. Mm. We have walked through who we were and what God has done. Let us look back at Ephesians and see who we are. Paul contrasts the old self with the new self. So in Ephesians 4.25 through 32, it says, Therefore, have putting away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up that fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. God is love, John 4, 16. He's crazy in love with us. Through Christ, we are now part of the family, being his children. We all need to learn to love more like our Father in heaven. This is who our daddy is, and he is love. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not easily provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Paul continues in Ephesians 5 to tell us who we were in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What if you are the one that needs to be forgiven? Repent and ask for forgiveness. There is no one accusing here. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Do you remember the woman caught in adultery? Jesus said, Who is without sin, cast the first stone. And all of her accusers walked away. Straightening up, Jesus said to her in John 8, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on sin no more. Then Jesus spoke again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is who you are. You are forgiven. 
You are a child of the light. You are kind. You are tender-hearted. You forgive one another. You are love, unconditional love, a love that bears all things, a love that keeps no record of wrongs. Now let me tell you a story. Her name was 66730, or at least that's the name she went by. She loved Jesus, and she followed her captain's orders. Her family was sent to a German concentration camp for hiding Jews. Both her father, Casper, and her daughter, Betsy, died in the German concentration camps. The Germans took everything from her. Her name was Corey, and she was a child of the light. Every day at Ravensbrook, was an opportunity to minister to someone more needy than herself. Then one day she was released. As suddenly as she'd become a prisoner, she was set free. Her solitary aim was to minister to others. When the war was over, she began traveling and speaking, sharing about Christ and the vision that he had given her. Then one day something happened, something that shook her to her very core. Here are her words describing what happened. Corey writes, It was at a church service in Munich. I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard in the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrook. He was the first of our actual jailers I had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heap of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fräulein, he said. To think, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to mine. And I, who had so often preached to the people of Blumendahl the need to forgive, I kept my hand at my side. Even as angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin in them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me. Help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing. Not the slightest bit of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness, any more than on our goodness, that this world's healing hinges, but his 
When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command itself, the, the love itself. So the question was, am I living as one who has been forgiven? So pray with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me and allow me to extend your forgiveness to others. Lord, we cannot do it alone. It is too hard. There are so many details and scenarios and hurt and pain and bitterness. We need to be washed, Lord. Cleanse us. You did it already. Help us to remember. Lord, we are children of the light. Help us to remember. Lord, we are love. Remember. Thank you, Lord. We are yours and we obey our captain's orders even when we don't want to and it's hard. So in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in the name of our captain, the captain from Nazareth who forgave our sins, we say amen.